You're listening to a DM podcast. Just a quick warning, this podcast series contains discussions about crime, trauma, sexual abuse, drug use and suicide. Listener discretion is advised. I used to rob banks in the 80s and 90s and did 23 years in prison in three different states. It took 30 years to talk about the sexual abuse that happened to me and the spiral into crime, addiction and depression that all occurred as a result. Now, having turned my life around, I talk openly to inspirational people about trauma, survival, transformation and hope. I am Russell Manser and this is The Sticker. When I was at Long Bay the last time in 2012, Bella Gahl was a prison officer there. Bella is no longer in the job, but is now a staunch advocate for changing a broken prison system. Bella Gahl, welcome to The Sticker. Nice to be here. I've been watching a lot of stuff on TikTok and it really resonates with me because you're the most honest ex-prison officer I've ever come across. You fucking say it how it is. Thanks, man. I really try to keep it real because uh, people need to have the perspective of somebody who worked there and was on the other side. Mate, I was there in 12 and 13 when in 2011, 2012, you were working there then. Yeah, I was. When you walked into the studio, I'll go, I'll recall you, yeah? Yeah. Mate, let's just talk about what sort of attracted you to working in corrective services. It's a funny story. So I originally wanted to, for whatever reason, I said I'll join the police force. So I went in, I got into the police force, did the whole training, went down to Goulburn, Got down to Goulburn, within three weeks of Goulburn, I was like, Fuck, this ain't for me. It was a, a night happened, we got together with some of the other officers, and I said, you know, what's everyone want to do here? Like, what do you want to do, detective? I go, nah, we just can't wait to book people. Just a real attitude, and I was like, fuck, this is not how I was raised. So I went to the sergeant, knocked on his door at night, and I said, listen, this is not me. So I left Goulburn uh, three weeks into the police academy, and in that time got called up for corrections, because I applied everywhere, I applied that, fireys, all that. I just thought, fuck it, it's an easy money job. That's honestly, I was no, nothing deeper than that. People go, oh, you know, I lock people up. It's like, nah, it's a government job. And your parents say, do government jobs, right? It's like this thing that's beat into you since you're a kid. It's a safe job. I said, you know what, let's give it a go. Nothing draws me to it. There's nothing fun about locking someone up, yeah? People need to understand. I had a lot of mates that coming off the street, and I just refused to lock the door. I'd walk away. The job itself is not attractive. It's mm-hmm. a job where if you are good to the boys, I play table tennis cook barbecues, had an easy day, and you get paid to do something. You get paid to literally hang out with other people. That's how I saw it. Yeah, nice. It's, it's, I've always seen that, you know, there's two ways you can go. Like, I can give you a reference. Prison officer at Long Bay called Dino Billinghurst. Yeah, I know. Tough, he's a fucking tough bloke, professional boxer. Mate, he got on with everyone. Real, real hard guy, and and he just had that respect that, you know, he didn't need to handcuff people, and you know what I mean, and, and bash. Because I remember, I'll tell you a funny story, I was at, MRR, and they've, they've all walked in, and one big mouth's going, put their handcuffs and leg shackles on him, let's make it a fair fight. And I just thought, fuck, how weak are you to do so that? That's disgusting. That I've never, I never subscribed to that. And I think other reasons why I can't go out on like TikTok and come here and have no issues because all the boys that were there knows that, because I knew Dino, because I used to box with him when I was younger, because I knew some of the older screws, they said, if you have an issue, you have to go and sort it by yourself. You get more respect from the crims itself. And there's an officer, I don't really want to say his last name, but his name's Kent, you'd know him. He's mm-hmm. a bald guy, he's a people. And he said, if you ever have something, you need to go and sort that by yourself. Not now this three out, four out stuff, because respect goes a long way. And that's why I, I never did anything other than that. Because it's like you said, if you want to be respected, you gotta, if I have to talk to you, I have to talk to you. I'm not going to sit there and do shit that you wouldn't do in the real world. I agree with you totally. And I, I know a handful of officers that I've got the utmost respect for, maybe more, you know. They were those guys that were just fair. fair. You don't have to be corrupt. 
Nah. Just, you just got to be fair. Like, I remember, I'll tell you a funny story. I was at the bay and this bloke, come in, gung-ho, wanted to help everyone. Then he got indoctrinated. Nah. You know, and they do that. And uh, one day I went and asked him for a to- toilet roll. He goes, mate, he's playing solitaire on the, on the card. And he said, uh, come back later. I said, I need to go to the toilet. I need a toilet roll. Nah. Anyway, I grabbed his jumper. And, um, <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, that's what I'm saying. These guys sit there and they forget the reason why they join. I tell people all the time, you are not there. They've been judged. We can sit there and go, oh, it's like I don't really care what the reason is unless, of course, you're a fucking, you know, you're a disgusting human being. It's not my job to judge you. It's not my job to make your job harder. It's my job to make sure you behave the right way. Of course, if you're going to carry on, that's a different situation. But that'd be the same if it's out here. Mm. So I think all those things, I never... Again, I never agree with that. Same with like messing people's buy-ups and visits. And these are things that I've, to this day, like I have a lot of officers that still watch that when I go live and they're in, and they agree with everything that we say. Like they agree with the whole thing. It's like, why would I make your job harder? It's, it's humanity. Like, I mean, like you treat dog on the street better. Why would you do that to another human beings? I never understood this mentality. It doesn't make you bigger. It doesn't make you tougher. It may make you have some little dopamine endorphin here for a split second, but really at the end of the day, it's like the story that you said. You're going to go home and you have to face your life, which is just... Mm. You know Do you think man? that anyone can really separate that? You'd be horrible all day and then go home and separate it? No way. If you're, if you're horrible all day, you're horrible at home. Your home life is miserable. You're a bitter person. That's the thing. You can't be happy as Larry Unger. Come, I'm going to make Russell's day harder. That doesn't make sense to me. It's the same people that get online. They go, I'm so happy. Happy, you don't need to say you're happy, right? Yeah, yeah. You're just happy. Happy is an action. Happy's in action. And it's like, my mother actually used to work at the bay. You'd know it. Long story short, she had to leave because of the whole COVID BS. But she used to work in reception and all the inmates respect her. She never, she just did her job. If you had to get stuff, something out, she did it. Had to have your video link sorted when Can you I came in. Can I tell you a story about your mother? Yeah. I remember one Christmas, it was Christmas, and she bought three of the sweepers a mango each. Yeah. Just She's, a little touch like that, man. It goes a long way. You it know? does. And that's the thing. It's like, it used to always make me like, some officers would say shit like, oh, you're a care bear. And I said, well, you're a weak. You do something. Like I used to sometimes say we do barbecues, you know, whatever's left over, give it to sweepers, as you know. like yeah. It's common. It's not. Sweepers are, a, I'll just explain what a sweeper is. A sweeper is an inmate that has a privilege of being out of his cell a bit longer, distributing all the food and bread and sheets and towels and laundry. So they come out of their cell and they interact more with the officers than any of the other inmates would. Yeah, so um, sometimes I use terms like rock spider, which people don't understand, but I'll try and clarify the terms as I go on. And it's like, even though you do something, officers that are probably like the weakest of the bunch will call you a care bear. And it's like, well, I'm a care bear, yet you run away when someone says something to you. You get the squad to come help you. Like, at what line? Squad, let's exp- can you explain that? Yeah, so the squad is basically a bunch of. I don't want to be nice about it, but it's just a bunch of nobodies who spent one week at a training course. They're not trained any different officers. They spent one week at a firing range shooting a gun for two days and learning some basic kicking a pad. They are literally, they just have a vest on. And I've always said this, they are they're absolutely nothing. We had the HRG, which is the hostage rescue group, come down from Goulburn. Everyone goes, oh, Supermax, Supermax. The same thing. We used to get them down to the gym and they were, they were nothing. And I want to say it out loud. I've got no issues saying this. They are nothing. It's just a one-week course to put on a vest with a camera to get put on inmates. It's, that's all it is. That's the bottom line. It is what it is. I'm not going to sit here and try and dumb it down to get friends on board. Like, I'd, I've never cared about that. You know, I say it the way it yeah. is. So, yeah. So, the squad is basically, you get four guys that come in. One guy holds a shield. Two guys push in. They rush you to the back of the cell. Then when three blokes are on top of you, the fourth one comes and handcuffs you. And then the fifth one holding the camera will sometimes accidentally turn the camera off. 
It's just it's a joke. And I've said it before, these things need to be exposed. At the end of the day, a lot of things happen in these systems where people just want to hide and push under the rug and they want to pick and choose when they want to play the legal and the lawful game. So, yeah, it's basically a bunch of blokes who spent one extra week doing something else. That's the squad. What happens, I used to see it, in my, I've done 23 years, and in that period of time, I used to see officers, and I felt from that, for me, it was like watching a guppy go into a fish tank because <laughs> they go in there with all the good intentions in the world and they get indoctrinated by the nasty ones. 100%. Mm. Did they try to indoctrinate you when you... Day one, they tried day one. They go, they're not your friends. They're that crims will use your crims will do I said, you can only be used if you let it. And it's like, my job here... And I used to, officers used to say, oh, they, they used to say, oh, you're just like the crims. That's somehow meant to be some sort of an insult. And I was like, most crims are honest. Most crims stick to their word. You guys sit there sleeping with each other's wives. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it is what it is. Like, you want to sit there, put on me. And like, I remember one guy goes, oh, how do I know that you're going to jump in? I said, when's the last time you had an altercation? Oh, he goes, oh, 20 years ago. I mm. said, okay. So yeah, hang on I said, to resentment. Yeah, I said, 20 years ago. I said, I have things outside of here that I do in my sporting life. Why would I need to jump in? Mm. I go, why do you need to jump in? Why do you need to, why do you feel the need to jump in on anyone? Mm. Yeah, there was a inmate, I, won't, I don't want to say people's names, but I was in a Area 3, and it was a well-known inmate, Corey Fella, he's done lots of time, recently got put back in, I used to know him, and I remember one thing, I was such and such, and he got caught with this, and I went up to his son, and I could smell something, obviously, smelling, smoking something, I just said, bro, I know what it is, just when I come past, just please put it away. Easy, solved, no issue, no drama, no need to put it on him. He understood, don't put me on show. I'm here to do a job, don't make it. And it's like, it's these little common sense things that you do in everyday life, which they don't understand. It's so easy to get by in, in the prison system as officer if you're a good guy. Obviously, if I had altercations, that was different. But as you, like I said, you will never find one inmate come on here and say, yeah, he ever did this with three, four people. And I challenge that to anyone to come on and record a video saying that they, I ever did that yeah. in all of Australia because I never did. So that's a, you have to live your life in a way where later on in life you can sit at a cafe and not turn around. Mm. You know how many times I sat at a cafe and I went to pay and they're going, that's what he paid for. Table full of boys. Mm. MSPC area one boys. Table full of boys. 30 on wing boys. Table full of boys. It happens like every other day. Respect, see? That's respect, see. That's respect. I'll tell you something. Now I go to the boxing, I'll see Dino and his wife Kerry, that Dino mm. Billinghurst that was a senior officer at Long Bay. I got no problem shaking his hand. Hundred percent. I'd about buy him a beer, buy her a wine, or whatever, because they showed me common decency. They didn't break the rules. They didn't act corruptly or anything like that. And I think this is this whole thing. I don't know. I think it's still a carry on from the old days. You know what I mean? Where the the poisons leaked over and leaked over and leaked over, and it's been intergenerational. They've passed the baton of nastiness. It definitely is known. But I met some of the older officers and. I'm talking like guys in their 60s and they're back in my day. It's Grafton. I know you guys say Supermax is the worst, but Grafton actually had the worst. It did. Had the worst reputation. So they used to say, we used to kick them till our shoes were filled with blood. And I was used to sit there and go like, how are you, how are you proud of that? Mm. A bloke comes off a truck. He's already lost everything. He's lost his family, his wife, his kids, his freedom, and you want to fucking kick him. Mm. Like, and for me, this is like, it just made me feel sick. Because mm. I was born in Romania. I lived through... Communism. I lived through corruption. I lived through death. I've seen what happens when people get oppressed. That's like, you guys wonder why they riot. It's just they they want basic rights. They want a shower. They don't want to shower every four days because you locked them in because you can't be bothered getting two out. You know what I mean? You can't be bothered. Mm. That's why whenever I was on, it was a landing full of 90 boys or 60 boys. I say, I'll shower them. Mm. Aren't you scared? No. There's two of us. If they want to get me, they'll get me anyway. Yeah. What, what am I scared of? But that's really I'm scary. giving them a shower. Like, it's just a shower, guys. Like, a shower a day is not too much to ask. 
Sure. Common yeah, decency. Sure. That is. And this is this misconception that people in the public think, okay, you go into prison and it's all about rehabilitation. What do you think of that? There is no rehabilitation. The programs are made so you don't succeed. If anything happens is you might network better and come out a better crime. That gives possibility. The psychs don't chase up reports for you. The social workers come and tick a box. At the end of the day, like you said, it's like going to war with a gun with no ammo. Yeah. You come well, out and some of you guys don't have family. You go down to the bus stop. You catch the bus from Anzac Parade down to Malabar Road. You might have something left from when you got pinched. That's it. They give you like a plastic your, bag. Like it have your clothes. And yeah, they, they, they give you a plastic bag with your watch and phone. Say later. Phone from fucking that's out of date. <coughs> SIM card doesn't work. Do you know what I mean? Like it's, no. you're literally in like, good luck. I, for me, I, I just tried doing something on my phone. I tried linking my ATO to my gov. Impossible. Mate, mm. technology for me was the biggest killer. Yeah. I didn't know how to sell an email. I sort of think it's deliberate. I think it's deliberate to really rattle you. Like, man, I couldn't send it. I didn't know how to use a fucking ATR, ATM. I think the thing is they love to talk about the recidivism rate. And for you guys that don't know what that means, it just means reoffending. So the reoffending rate is now up at like 83 to 84%. Return to, be... to prison within two years, yeah? Yeah. I used to have a – you'd know this guy too. He was a reception room sweeper. Nice guy. He did three years and got out. Two weeks later, he's back in. And I go, what happened? Nice, it's like never had no drama, never even swore an officer, nothing. He goes, it's funny how you forget the time you did after two weeks. I go, what happened? He goes, he goes there was no support. Mm. And, he, and, he, and he got caught taking something from a shop, food, like mm. something basic that breached his parole, say later. He got another two years on top. So he did three years, got out for three weeks, two weeks, and came back for another two years. Like, and that just shows us like the system is designed to keep you in. Basically, one inmate, I think the government is like, I don't quote me, it's between 52 and 62 thousand dollars a year the government gets for you to be in there so it's a money-making process so the government is funded to keep you in there so it's incentivized to keep you in there and that's 62 grand if you're normal cream if you got medical conditions mental that can go up to 120 150 160 and so on so the incentive isn't to get you out that gets costing us taxpayer money the same as the ndis a lot of these things fall under the bracket of ndis that shouldn't be in ndis but it's the government funding money into a system which then Produces other things along the side, you know what I mean? And then they use you to work for what, a dollar a day? What is it, a dollar fifty a day? Yeah, two dollars a day. Two dollars a day. You're fixing stuff, fixing headphones, airplanes, all this other stuff. So they're making money off you while getting paid to make money off you. I, I've so it's a cycle. And I agree. It's a new form of slavery, what they do in those. When I first went to jail, there was classrooms and there was trade courses and that sort of thing. And they got when they got the, the new commissioner in Severin, he got rid of it all and put replaced it with sewing machine. Like, man... I was at Lifco making body bags. I don't, yeah. I don't know what me sewing body bags was going to teach me about empathy and compassion. Nothing. That's disgusting. And the thing is this. Again, like that's, I actually know when you did that. So you're making body bags. So We're that, making body bags at Lifco and police uniforms. <laughs> A way to rub it in your face. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Tell me this. Did you notice the hotel or resort conditions in the prisons and any of the prisons that you walk that's re often reported in the media? Oh, no. <laughs> Listen, guys, uh, this is the biggest misconception. Yeah, if you want to look at it from perspective, like oh, they get three meals a day and a roof over their head, okay. Compared to the average guy sleeping on the street, you would consider it a bonus. But the food there is atrocious. Like they have a menu. Uh, do you it looks that? good. It looks good, doesn't it? Bro, uh, have you ever... <laughs> Irish stew, which is called Irish spew. Like, you yeah. guys had a different name because yeah. none of them were edible. Unless you had the Anzac cookie, which is the only thing you could eat, everything once was putrid. Once a week. Once, once a, a week. week. If you didn't have biops and the tuna and eggs, you're eating like slog. Like, 
put it this way, guys. To give you an example, I once took two of those foods to feed to my dog. My dog didn't eat it. Just mm. to give you an example. Mm. And this was fresh on the day. Like, it's disgusting. They give you the food. I, I noticed. I was starting to notice. They give it to you on the use-by date. Of course. Yeah. yeah they don't want a, it to go any longer than that. I never understood that. I think the reason why that is, it's a semi-sort of semi-break you. Mm. Yeah, mentally. Because you're mentally, every day it's a little chip away at your, at your persona. Like, this happens. This comes out. Your phone line's magically disconnected. You can't call out. There's no money in your vibe. You can't. Your visit gets mixed up. It's a little systematic effort to break you. It's completely intentional. People need to understand that. There's nothing that happens by accident. That's why some sweepers have, some inmates get the world and others don't get nothing. Mm. Did you see a disparity in how sex offenders get treated and the normal inmates get treated? Uh, the thing is this, the officers that work in the sex offender unit, they're a different breed on itself. They treat them like they're nicer crims. They, they, they forget the fact that these guys are putrid fucking, they're putrid animals. Anyway, if it was up to me, they wouldn't even be around, but it is what it is. They get treated because they're so good at grooming, they semi-groom the officers in a mm. weird sort of way. So they treat them much nicer, much harsher because they're, they're very delicate. They're like feminine in their ways. And mm. that's why they put me there for two weeks. And I said, listen, if you guys, I don't know if I can say this, but if you guys don't move me, I'm going to unalive one. These guys like, I have a kid. I can't look at this. You need to get me out of the unit now. Like, mm. I refuse to work there. It's the most vile, disgusting, hey, buddy. It's just like this attitude. And officers in there, they're vile and disgusting too, man. Like it takes a, spe- it takes a special kind of officer to sit down Every single day with someone who you know has assaulted and abused 50, 30 kids, assaulted, stepped on babies, I don't want to say, but, you know, hurt babies, hurt kids, hurt females, tortured children, did putrid and vile things to kids. It takes an officer to sit there and be okay and, like, they'll sit there, have a coffee with them, have fucking mm. food with them. And, again, I never understood that. I couldn't for the life of me protect one of them. I just, I don't know. and Because I, I remember I worked... In the officers' mess, it's a cafe out the front of the jail for minimum security prisoners. I know that, yeah. Yeah, I worked there with Steve Stabble. Anyway, and one day they asked us to make 30 hamburgers and chips. And we said, well, who are they for? And they said, it's for the Cubid program, which is the sex offenders program. Mate, they got their chips. I don't I don't know if they like pubic hair with their yeah. fucking, but I wouldn't have been eating it. And then there was a drug and alcohol program there called Naranura, which i become part of. And I suggested to the Naranura people that we get hamburgers and chips. And they said, no, it won't happen. That's just special for them. Yeah, and that's and that's a disgusting thing. So for you guys that don't know, the Cubit program is actually, I've said it before on the, not everyone watches TikTok, so um, it's a custodial-based intensive care. Basically, it helps offenders deal with urges. Now, what they found after years of this program is that sex offenders actually got better at grooming. When they got out, their crimes became more elaborate and more better, and the, and the program still runs. So you guys need to understand, it's a failed program designed to make you better. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, taught them how to become better offenders. And you're right, it's completely, it's disgusting. So the Naranura was a drug program when you did it. Yeah. But I, I had the same suggestion. I had the same suggestion for that, same suggestion for the VATP, which is a violent offenders therapeutic program. No. No, no because they're violent. What's worse, a guy that bashed some bloke for money or a guy that isn't, touched a kid? is raping a children a violent act? It is the most violent act under the sun. It's an offense that should be punished to the utmost degree. If our legal system allowed it, I've said it number one. Because they do not get better. They just get better at hiding their crimes. They re-offend. Their crimes get worse. 
returns to child murder. It just, it's one of the only offences that I think should be dealt with in a capital way. I'm a big believer in you can't change someone's sexual, pre- sexual preference. A heterosexual man is attracted to a, a woman. A gay guy is attracted to a, another man. A lesbian is attracted to another woman. And they're attracted to children. You can't do a 12-month program at nah. Long Bay and get hamburgers and chips. Nah. And go, oh, oh hang on, I'm changed now. Nah, it's bullshit. It's the same way I said It's like someone that goes, uh, if they're an alcoholic and they've done like a short program. Now, obviously, you can beat it a long time. But if you've done a short stay, right, if I put you in a bar and I say the tab's open to whatever you want, you're going to probably fold, right? Now, they go, oh, well, there's some alcoholics. Go, but okay, okay, well, let's get to a straight guy. You take a straight man who's attracted to females. I send him to a nightclub and there's females all around him. Do you think he's going to be okay? Maybe one day, maybe two. At the end of the day, no, it's an urge. You can't control an urge unless you medically control it. And most of these guys refuse their meds. Mm. Like we used to call it club ped. Mm. That's why I used to call it. I was like, I'm not, not working there, <laughs> literally. Like, because it's like they treat like club med, but obviously club ped. Like, yeah. And that's what like I Even think the that... nurses treat them like royalty. It's ridiculous. Oh, man, you know what? I had a treatment. I was like, um, and part of my treatment I was getting not, was just for my liver was um, I used to have to get these nausea tablets. And I went up there one day. I was in that. I was in the narrow neuro program and then and the officer come and told me and he said, um, so I went up there to get, and they said, oh, there's no nausea drugs left. And Mr. Pebble, um, Pebble or whatever his name is, little Pebble, the pedophile, notorious yeah. pedophile, comes in after me and he asked for him and she goes, oh, yeah, we've just got some put away for you. The, that was the nurses. That's disgusting. So, again, nurses have this propensity to forget what they did. And I'll, I'll, I'll tell a story on here, which is um, – I saved it for you. I thought this might come up. So there was a nurse in there that was once dealing with a child offender who also was a rapist at the same time. She fell in love with him. So listen to this. The rule is if you like an inmate, you can't work there. So she quit her job. The bloke gets out. Two years later, he killed her. Hmm. This is how dumb these people are. They sit there giving these violent predators all the things in the world. I'll tell you something else even worse. We had one of the worst guys in there. He needed some sort of bypass surgery. We took him down to the Prince of Wales Hospital. There was emergency, kids injured, broken arms, broken legs. They said, oh, he may come through. And they found out what he was, putrid. He went to the front of the line. They put him in ICU first. It took him three weeks to get put on a heart surgery, which will take you and I five years, minimum three years. It just made me fucking disgusting. He's sitting there calling nurses, all these sorts of names. It's like, how can you let this vile, putrid thing just even live another day? But no. He got put in the front of the line at emergency, put into ICU, and I just sat there like I was there for the open heart surgery day, and the doctors literally walked off for a couple of hours and said, "Yeah, just put him on the machine." Like they were hoping that, yeah, because yeah. I because I, I said I said this guy's a fucking foul thing, mate. Mm. And I said to the, I explained what it was, and they said, "Okay, see, they left his chest literally open and went at lunch for two hours." Should have filled it up with water. Oh, mate, I looked at it, I was like, "This is disgusting." I said, "Just okay, can't you just I don't know." Anyway. Because you think of the damage. I can recall when June E, I was down at June E in about 94, 95. They slipped the pedo through. And anyway, he got beaten up pretty bad. And I was suspected of it, even though I had nothing to do with it, and I was later cleared of it. They brought in a 17-man task force to investigate that. Serious? Yeah. That's disgusting. So I, I never understand why... It's sort of like the squeaky wheel gets the oil, right? It's because they sit there and they're writing all these letters and complaints to the governor. It's almost like I hear it all the time. The higher-ups must be involved. Yeah. And in a way, you got to think to yourself, like, why would you want to investigate that? Like, I know there was a 
I mean, there were situations where we had a guy come in to the wing. He was done for murdering an 18 year old boy. He goes, no, I'll be right because the boys will look after me. Mm. He goes, I didn't do it. So I read the case file, obviously, as you would. So people go, how, they go, how come you got all these stories? I said, well, I read all day. Like I wasn't sitting there mm. trying to fuck your buy-ups. I was reading. I was bored, right? So this guy had skin fragments under his um, nails. Like, so he did it. Yeah. And I said to the boys, his own people, this is what he done. Next day they said, chief, can I have a coffee? Mm. So I had a coffee. Yeah. He may or may not have ended up with a tuna can in his head. I don't know. But yeah. at the end of the day, it is what it is. Yeah. And uh, there was other officers that knew about it. So, th- and that's how you got to treat these people. Mm. Jail should be a punishment when you do stuff like that. 100%. 100%. And it shouldn't be an easy place. I remember that, that task force. I remember they, they pulled me in for an investigation and I knew there was a whole heap of them in the room. And I said, when this bloke was offending, did you have the same amount of officers investigating his offences? And they said, it doesn't matter. These are all the same bank robbers. I said, hang on. Whoa. That's a big line. They tried that on another, another bloke, Chris Miller, got investigated by him too, by the, and they, but they pulled him out of Goulburn and they said the same thing to him, but I was in front of an old pipper. And a pipper, but when I say that, a pipper's a senior ma- an officer of senior management. And he heard what the coppers said to him, and he said, mate, you better get out of this. He said to the coppers, get out of the jail. If the crims hear that, they'll fucking riot. 100%. The mm. people understand, there's a few things that'll be an insult in jail. Calling someone a dog on the street, people laugh. You call someone a dog in jail, that's on. If you say someone's like a pedophile in jail, you have to be prepared to go because that is the biggest insult. Mm. There's no bigger insult than that. I mean, no. I know people online use that. They throw around boneyard and all these terms, which is another term for um, child offender. But, you know, it's easy behind the screen. But when you do it to someone's face in real life, it's mm. consequences. Yeah. But you're right. They don't have the same intensity. They don't care as much about it. And they want to label you in the same group because it's easier for them to treat you like crap if they're you in the same group as pedophiles. But you're not. I definitely looked at crimes differently if I knew what they did. 100%. I found that a lot of people, and in, in all the work that I do at The Voice of a Survivor, some of the worst, most violent criminals in the system were victims of child sexual abuse themselves. 100%. Because I, I, I study psychology, I've got six subjects to go before I finish it. So, And one of the things I studied there was victimology. And in victimology, you learn what the ongoing effects are of this sort of abuse. And basically, like when you offend, like you hurt a child, their brain is fractured forever. They may able to form relationships later on but it's quite difficult that's why i say you can't give somebody who touched a child even just one time five years but you've just now ruined an entire life the trauma, so it, it, the trauma doesn't go away the reactive behavior look and violence is a, a defense mechanism to trauma and to abuse some of the most hectic violent offenders in australia contact me in my work at the voice of a survivor and when you break it down wow you just go it's a reactor it's a defense mechanism from the abuse itself it has to be. It has to be. I mean, you would have seen the Iceman documentary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for those that don't know, the Iceman was basically, he was a, a Polish hitman recorded to have like, murdered 200 people. He was not a pedophile. He was a hitman for the mob. Now, they did a study on, and you can find it on YouTube, on his history, and he was beaten and abused by his dad relentlessly. And that's why he just his brain just said enough's enough. So you're right. Some of these guys, because it is a defense mechanism. There's, you can only be quiet for so long. You can only take abuse for so long before you get enough's enough. Yeah. And people don't understand that, right? They, you know, it becomes a learnt behaviour. You go, that's how I keep people away. That's how I stay safe. 100%. You will not find the same level of help for somebody who's been abused, who's in the system, who's now a violent offender, mm. as for somebody who's the abuser. Yeah. What do you think that is? My theory on, on it all is through the courts. I think the courts recognise that pedophiles create the, the wheels 
wheels rolling in the justice system. I think they realise they create the next person with propensity for violence. They create the next drug addict who's going to go on and commit crimes. Yeah. And it's like a stimulus. They keep the coppers involved, the prison officers involved, the courts involved, and the parole officers. It's like a stimulus yeah. that keeps things rolling. I, I think they're rewarded. They're part of the jam. It is, it's part of the system. And Australia, unfortunately, is a country that's very soft. You can't get... I've tried to get stuff across here. Like, I've spoken to people that are in power, like, you know, Liberals, Labor, all these MPs, and it's like, oh, mate, we got to get across a federal level. But, like, you guys don't even try and introduce at a state level. You guys mm -hmm. don't even try and bring up any of these topics at a state level. Like, if we were to be taken seriously as a country, our Prime Minister wouldn't be marching on the front line. He'd be working on helping people rehabilitate. He'd be helping the Indigenous. Like, it's 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 all good to sit there and go, oh, you know, we, we give you NAIDOC week. What else do you do? Mm. Well, you know. Or like Reconciliation Week. They, yeah. they, they they say these things like that somehow like some big effort. Like I used to run NAIDOC Week and we used to do barbecues. But then what about the other fucking 350 days of the year? Mm. I knew one guy in there. He got three degrees in 12 years. Mm. Not diplomas, fucking degrees. And he was on disability. So mind you, this guy was getting paid 800 bucks a fortnight over 12 years. Never touched it, never touched it. And he got some some BS. Anyway, he left with 170-something thousand dollars plus three degrees. Yeah. I know that. It's crazy. There's it's a, ridiculous. It's crazy how they get treated. The preferential treatment. When you say to someone, oh, like people, well, let's talk about someone like the Cobby killers. You, the average crim would never get near them. Nah. And there'd be officers that would throw themselves in front of another inmate to stop them from getting bashed. Yeah, no, nah, I, I, I met some of them and I met the Janine Balding case killers and I remember they were in a cell once and there was, it was a camera at Celsius, you couldn't touch them. And I, the first thing I said to them was like, I go, you need to have your head jumped on. I said, you are just the most. He goes, oh, I was young. Uh, I forget his name, but he was young. I said, it's no excuse, mate. Mm. I said, you need to be put out there. I said, I said, leave this way. They're so scared. They fear for their lives. And to me, officers, like, that crime itself should have warranted the death penalty. Mm. Just, if you want to just do one crime, that crime itself, for what they did to the Cobby, for Anita Cobby and Janine Balding, like, those are the two worst crimes in Australia. Mm. I mean, if that doesn't warrant any change, I don't know what is. And I did a... Policy, I'll send it to you later if you want. Mm. It's a 50-page policy of the uni on reintroducing the death penalty. And when Australia had the death penalty, crime was low mm. because it's the repercussion. It's the fear of what happens if I do this. As soon as it stopped, crime went back up. And child crime went up. Rapes went back up. Because the thing is, a lot of these go hand in hand. Like you get a child rapist, child, and it goes, and then end up being child killers. Mm. But there's no repercussion. Now you get to spend a couple of years in a place where you're protected. So it is a deterrent. But they don't want to bring it back. It's like, oh, well, it's too violent. It's too this and that. Well, hang on a second. Well, what would you rather? Would you rather kids be safe? Or would you rather offend a couple of fucking people that are just soft? Yeah. I mean, in America, they have no qualms doing it. They yeah, just I, do it. <laughs> they just pump them through. I, I follow a bloke called Wes Watson. Anyone want to follow a good bloke? Wes Watson, you know, he's a motivational speaker in these days. He's done 10 years. And they call them chomos over there, child molesters. Yeah. And they said, if you get a chomo on yourself, you've got to kill him. You have to. Or they'll kill you. They're not protected over there. They're thrown in the mainstream and given a sort of script of what to say. Well, that's how they should be here. Yeah. I mean, jail should be jail all around. There shouldn't be... I mean, I, like I said, I never knew what the word PRNA mean, which was like, yeah, protection re requiring non-association. I was like, like, if you're that fucking hard to touch a kid, then they should they should blend the whole system together. That itself would be a deterrent. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I guarantee you, like, if you know you're going to get pumped, as in you're not going to come out, you'd think, you'd think twice about doing it. I just want to dispel one myth while you're here. 
I, was Ivan Manla ever on protection? I don't think he was. He was I never on never protection. I've never heard of Ivan on protection. And, and you know, I've done a post and they go, he was on pro- I've even had people with fake profiles go, I was a nurse there and he was definitely on protection. Now, if anything, they would have kept him away from other crims. I was at Maitland with him in 97. There was like this little garden, right? And he's there with a little hand shovel. And I said, digging up an old friend, Ivan. And he thought that was the funniest thing he ever heard. <laughs> And every time he sent me, he'd go, digging up an old friend. My impression of that guy, he was one of the happiest people I've ever met in my life. I think he was content. <laughs> he was content with, I think uh, someone like him, you'd be content with the fact that number one, you're being caught. So mm. your life is already on a trajectory. And for some of you guys that don't know that protection thing, the guy was not like your normal criminal. I was in the news, but a lot, a lot of listeners might not know this. He sat there with a plastic knife. He cut around the base of his finger and then he broke it off, put it in an envelope, handed it to the, officer and said give this to the i think it was woodham at the time could yeah, have been woodham, Ron woodham yeah, exactly. and he goes he goes i'm going to escape here one limb at a time like the guy was not all there if you wouldn't put him with anyone else yeah so they say but again a lot of people get on there and they go i was here i was here i was here it's a lot of the crimes you mentioned a wing and they go that's a burn yeah people need to understand area two 30 years ago was the main it is now protection mm. jails change yeah. like people understand that wings change like i saw I think one of the boys forget on TikTok talking about seven pod in Silverwater. That was a working pod once. It changes. Jails change. People need to understand, oh, it's mm. boneyard now. You can't. People throw these terms. I'm sure you have copped it all. Mm. So it's like mm. people, the jails change. Yeah. What a wing once is protection can now be a main wing. It doesn't. Yeah, it does, it's I mean, just a building. It's always, and the jails change. Yeah. The jails change. What was once a protection jails can now be a mainstream jail. In Queensland, they, they insist on putting fucking pedophiles together. They have a, a jail up there that's just full of them, right? They do. And funny enough, I have somebody who contacted me saying that um, her son was put in there wrongfully. I don't want to get into it. It's, it's an ongoing case. And it's like, and Wade calls them with jail. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's in there with Daniel Morecambe's killer and all these like, mm. you know. Putron. Putron, yeah. It's disgusting. There's mm, another, another waste of space. And she goes, oh, you know, it'd be good if you could have a chat to him. I was like, no. Mm. I'm not going into that place. If I mm. walk in there, I'm, I'm, I'm losing my everything. I can't sit there, sit there next to, what's that other guy's name? Just <laughs> It's just, it's a disgusting place. And it's like, why are you putting them together? You know what the saddest things are? There was a, a similar to the women's jail. They got all these uh, protection women together, so to speak. And they used to brag about how that would hurt their kids. And one of the women, she starved her kid to death. Mm. And she was bragging about how she did it. They, they gave her a nickname, Starvey. In the, and she was fucking proud of it. And yeah, to understand this guy, this will be very graphic for you. This one always makes me fucking get emotional. It's fucking hard to say. Uh, she had four kids and one of the little boys, um, she kept in there. She kept on fucking like not giving him food. And as a father, that fucking, yeah, that's hard. That always, and I think like, and I saw it and I said, okay, you should just definitely take that fucking blanket and do something with it, mate. Mm. That's just like, yeah, that's disgusting. You know, I used to see the worst of humanity in and some of the best, like when someone, you know, someone's father or mother or a loved one had passed away and how the boys would unite to support yeah. that person. That's, that's a beautiful thing to see that. It is. And it, it happens more often than not. And it's something because I think everyone's got a touch of humanity in them and everyone can relate, can resonate. And I, I think you've seen the story that I've told where there was a guy who was upset kicking the door and I just opened up because... He goes, my dad's dying. And I'm like, he goes, I just want to talk to him. And officers wouldn't let him talk. And I went why, down. Why do they do that, you think? What do you, what? Again, it's another way because the guy was very high up in one of the like, outlaw motorcycle gangs. He was high up. He was very high ranking. Just a way to break you. 
Mm. And I just said, I said, I went to the office, I said, listen, if you guys don't let this happen, I'm going to have a lot of issues. Like, mm. we're going to have dramas outside. It's like, it's disgusting. It's someone's dad, mate. Like, I will not subscribe to this one bit. Well, then you take him out. Just no problem. Took him out of the cell by myself. It's like one of those things you're not supposed to do in case because he's so violent, which he wasn't. Gave him the phone call and he was happy. His mm. dad died the next day. Wow. And then we organized the funeral and he didn't run. He did nothing. And years later, that same outlaw motorcycle gang, to say it, offered me a job when I got kicked out of being a screw. Mm. They offered me years later a job. They treated me better than anybody. And to this day, like, I had a car accident. They gave me a car. They said, here's fucking 20 grand. Buy your students' equipment. Mm. And I said, there's five grand left over. Keep it. Because mm. you're doing a good job. Like, I've never had one officer ring me and go, oh, by the way, you got sacked. Mm. How you going? So when that's why I'm so against it. When Like, when they say, oh, Crims this and that. I said, not one of you fucking dogs ever rang me. Mm. So don't you dare come and say, Crim, this and that. Crims have done more for me ever mm. than any of us ever has. And I'll stick by that forever. Mate, look at you, like yourself, you're a big lump of a lad and you got a, you know, you got a combat sports background behind you. Mm. That, do you think that helped that respect that the, the Crims had for you? I think... Not the fact that I had a combat sports background. I think the fact that I didn't feel the need to prove myself. Because every day I'm going to a gym and I'm getting strangled, punched, kicked, and re-strangled, my ego isn't. I'm humbled since day one. I know that another man can fucking take my life very easily. It's very easy. And because I had that, because I did that every day, morning and afternoon, I didn't feel the need to come to the jail to prove it. Mm. Obviously, I had one or two runnings, but that wasn't with a crim. It's like, not with the average person. Somebody wanted to make a name. It's like, it is what it is. Or they're a putrid fucking, yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is. But like, never ever was based on the fact that what he can do to you. It's the way he handles himself. Because if you don't feel the need to prove yourself, at the end of the day, it's like, I'm, I'm finishing here at four. I'm going to go and I'm going to get strangled tonight. I'm going to get punched. I'm going to get kicked. Why do I want to sit there, pick on some bloke who gets to stay in his cell and he's got nothing, man. He has to mm. sit there. And I used to say to the boys, like, you need to understand, these people have lost everything. Why do you want to make them feel any worse? Mm. I mean, like you can go home at midnight and go to fucking 7-Eleven. Mm. He can't. There's yeah. no need to make him feel worse than he does. I mean, I never understood that. I think respect comes from... So Dino didn't get his respect because of the fact that he could crack you. He got his respect because the fact that he doesn't need to crack you. Because mm. he knows he can just... And he, that's the difference. He had good communication skills, Dino. He had a really good way of of dealing with situations you know what i mean he was just a good negotiator good communication skills he had confidence everyone all the crims loved him nah. you know what i mean respected him and and you know because he was just a fucking good bloke yeah and he is he's a good bloke he's down to earth um him and his wife his kids are just lovely people because he's again he treated people with respect Man, and that's the what? difference that could be the way throughout the whole system it's so easy just got to get rid of that fucking sickness that's in there it is because they're creating bad people. They're, the people are, you know, you constantly, as you say, you constantly hang shit on people. Yeah. They're not going to get out and be better people. You no. treat them like animals and they're going to get out and act like humans. 100%. And that's the thing. And it's funny enough, it is a sickness. The best way to explain it, this is a very, it's a it's a dangerous sickness. Like you got people in there that have literally joked around. I, I don't want to word this in a way where you can still put it on. I've met officers in there that have just jokingly said, Imagine you put some poison in someone's vi- like in their food or their vitamins. I'm like, it's like you're talking about murdering somebody, mate. Mm. So there's some sick puppies in blue. That's there's, conspiracy to murder, right? That's conspiracy to murder for those that understand. Mm. And I'm like, you need fucking help, mate. Like, mm. you guys need some serious help. And look, 
I'm not going to sit and say that. I mean, obviously, we've had cases that M double up where a crim backed officer to death. Like, mm. there are bad people in green. We're not going to sit yeah, and say there's yeah. not. We're not going to sit here and say that I've treated guys with respect and wrong guy goes, oh, you're a dog from the yard. It's like, and then, and then you walk into the yard and everyone's like, because like it does happen. People mm. will just randomly want to make a name for themselves. So it does happen. But the majority of crims don't treat you like that. And the majority of officers are fucking weak-minded and they're going to get indoctrinated. That's what I was never like. That's, mm. what, that's why they got together and conspired to get rid of me because I wasn't like them. Mm. And they said, I come to the cell. I said, nah, it's fucking for you. I'm not going. If I go, I'll go by myself. There's a difference in that. And it's like mm. it, the mentality, it's like a bully mentality. It's almost like to get into corrections, you, you could like semi get into any fucking gang on the street because you have that same mentality. Mm. It's, a, it's a gang mentality. Yeah, it is. It and is they a, slip through the cracks. A hundred percent, hundred percent. My brother was a prison officer. Oh, was he? Yeah. I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, my brother was a prison officer. Two, two brothers. One of them got sacked from, you know how they have their master? The, yeah. He got the sack for punching them with another screw. On master, that was my oldest brother. He committed suicide. Sorry to hear. Yeah, and then my second brother, he was a he was a TA, so he was a trades. He ran the plant and shrub nursery at the old MTC. Wow. That George Piggins had, yeah. And he left because he said, "I can't be a part of that." No, you can't, because it, you lose so much of yourself. And that's the thing I found. Getting sacked was the best thing that ever, ever happened to me. In my story. Why did you get career. sacked? Okay, so long story short, they brought in a guy from a. He should have been on protection. He was from a minority, which I don't want to say because people sound fucking racist, but he was a minority and he came in. He was done for, can you say the word? Okay, grape. I'll use the word grape. So gang I'm rape. We'll just say it. Yeah. Uh, he was done for gang raping, uh, not just one, but like seven different girls. And he got put in the main yard. And while in the main yard, which is other crimes, I said to some of the boys, I said, this way, like, there's no paperwork because no one believed me, right? I said, why is he still walking around here? And he was there for about two or three weeks. And, uh, uh, that guy was that guy we talked that good bloke. He knows the story. He knows the guy, the name of the bloke. And one day he goes, "You guys can't touch me," because I'm untouchable in there. And so I took him off the yard, and um, whatever happened happened. And then when he, he woke fell up, fell and slipped. And- yeah, he, he fell. And when he woke up, he may have pissed himself. I don't know. But when he woke up, and I said, "You need to understand," I said, "I could do to you now what you did to those girls." And he started crying. I said, "You're a fucking putrid cunt." Straight away, he went on protection. They shifted him off to Park Lee. While at Park Lee, the officers that were in there, they were supposed to have my back, got together, wrote a report. He signed off on the report. Two of the two people got in. They accused me of violence, racism, which I wasn't because like those other instances. So violence, racism, and I got sent up to, at the time was McCall was the commission, I believe. He was the second assistant. They took me to Henry Dane building. They sat me down, table like this, had the recordings and had seven different paperwork from officers that saying he did this at this time, he did this, just literally writing up what I did. Yeah, and not one crim, except him, not one crim would have signed off on it. It was all officers. Mm. And that's the day I said to myself, you guys are going to, there will come a day. And this day is it's coming now. Like, you guys are going to be exposed for all the future things you did, everything you did. Every time you knew a guy was self-harming, every time you knew a guy was about to hurt himself and you did nothing, and the next morning he's there in his cell, unalive. Like, these things need to be brought to light. These guys mm. have done a lot of bad shit. And it's like, you can't just keep hiding under the system. I mean, and that's sadly one of the things that people don't really realize is that, a lot of the jail deaths don't make it to mainstream media. Mm. A lot of deaths in custody don't make it to mainstream media. So there's this thing where they go, oh, you know, he unloved himself. But there's a lot of things where people will sit there and just constantly push, 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 push. And then they wonder why someone breaks. Yeah. I mean, there was a story I told about. I don't mind saying this guy's name because you can Google it. It's uh, Michael Allen Heatley. He was meant to be a medical one out self. He buzzed up. And for you guys that don't know, when you buzz up, it's considered bad and you're supposed to get like 
smash for it. Yeah. He said, "Give me." There's an emergency button <laughs> in the cell, so you can push if you if you're having a heart attack or sick or anything like you push, and it'll alert the officers to come to your cell. Yeah, and basically he said, "If you don't get this guy out of here, I'm gonna kill him." Is that uh, Scotty Simpson? I don't know if it was the name. No, it was something Craig. The, Michael Allen Heatley was the inmate that did it. Okay. Basically, I know the officer, and I actually have the full story, which you can say for another day if you want, mm-hmm. like for a full podcast, just on this one story, because it's so fucking hectic. He told the psychologist he had homicidal ideations. He said, I want to brick someone's head to death. Anyway, the officer go, ah, fuck up, go away. They hung up on him. He buzzed up again, hung up. They said, get me out of here. I'm going to hurt this bloke. And the whole yard's whole wing screaming, saying like he's serious. The bloke in there is like freezing, shaking. Officer hung up. Anyway, next morning they found him. The guy was jumping on his head from the top bunk. He said it was like a cocaine, squashed. Wow. Like I've read the case file. Like it was completely squashed. Like yeah. it's a, now he's now he's got his medical one out. Yeah. And now he would have got out by twenty eighteen. And because of that crime, he's now been sanctioned on a mental health order. And you guys need to understand, a lot of the boys when they go, I'll just claim insanity. New yeah. South Wales jails doesn't work like that. Hmm. They can keep you at the governor's pleasure if they say for 30 40 or 100 years mm. insanity is not the way they, this it's a myth i'll just say you're insane no he's still in there now yeah and he's going to do 30 40 50 years in there he'll never get out how are the mentally ill there's big talk and everyone's talking about mental health and how we treat our mentally Ill. how are they treated in prison ah uh, they're just medicated they get them out of the way and you guys need to understand this isn't like you take your i mean i don't want to say medication names it's not like you get given a pill it's like they're force medicated and they force Medicaid, you get three. Depos and depos oh, yeah, yeah. But, but basically, like, they'll jam up to the point of, like, they can't really respond in a coherent way. Then they get four or five officers. This, again, it's another, it's another thing that used to make me sick. They'll go in there. They'll hold this inmate down. Some nurse will come in or doctor. Jab him and that's it. A depot injection. And he's yeah. gone for a month. Oh, he's gone for fucking until next time they do it to him. Yeah. You know? And some of these guys will sit there consistently self-harming themselves, consistently... You know, and I remember one day they go, you need to get this guy out of the cell. He's violent. He spits. He bites. He this and this and that. And I said, all right. I said, let me just go by myself. I went to the door and I said, bro, they're going to come in here. They're going to want to do some dumb shit too. Just please go to the back of the cell. Get on your knees. I'll come in with a handcuff. And he goes, all right. Simple. Two-second combo. I said, brother, I don't want to sit there and watch what's going to happen to you. It's, uh, it doesn't make my day. i got lunches coming in half an hour. Just take the injection. Doctors prescribed. It is what it is, man. Like, mm. You know, it's a very simple conversation. Yeah, but because that's it's like commu- that's communication skills. Yeah, it's respect. But that's common knowledge. Like you should, be, you should be able to communicate with someone like that. You shouldn't be sitting there going, "Oh, mate, move to the back of the cell and come." Mm. You're not talking to a dog. It's like you're talking to a person. Yeah. If someone says to me, "Go to the back of the cell," it's like it's gonna be on just for the fact that that's your tone of voice. And now I just want to go because that's how you're speaking. It's yeah. got nothing to do with the message. It's like, well, okay, well, let's do it then. Yeah. And a lot of guys have that mentality. Mm. If I say, Russell, can you please do this? Oh, like, uh, maybe. I've had a heap. Heaps. I remember, man, I just, there's always that, for me, there was always them few, two or three officers, respect, you had a comment, like over a period of time, you had common respect with each other, communication skills, and they just get it done. Yeah. Like, like, I remember, in, you know, certain jobs, there'd be a bunch of us, and we'd just go, man, we don't want to fucking live with fucking dickheads, we don't want to live with bullies. 100%. You know, and we would fucking take care of them, and the officers would turn their backs. Oh, I agree with you, man, and that's, it's, it's one of those things, common respect, is something that should be taught in the academy mm. above fucking orders, how to use a shield, how to use a baton. Like, mm. At the end of the day, even even that whole process, I used to say to the boys, I think you would have maybe been there. There was a semi-right about to happen. About the bloke, the a medical thing. Yeah. yeah. And I, remember I went to the fence and said to the boys, I said, listen, 
like, I know you guys want to kick off, but, and this was with the 12 wing boys. I said, they're going to come in here, they're going to gash you. They're going to send in about seven German shepherds. Mm. It's going to bite the fuck out of you. <laughs> then they're going to come crack you. There's no point. Mm-hmm. It's not going to get. And I'm telling the boys, like, yeah, fuck it. It is no point. No, there isn't. You can't win. You're going to have 150 something, 300 officers going to go in there. A few of you will go in because you don't want to extend your sentence. Mm. That's the thing. I've always had this thing. I said, if everyone decided to go and join forces, jail would be owned by the crimps mm. because you might have two months left. He might have six months left. Everyone's got a different agenda. Mm. So that whole right thing isn't really about punching on. It's about getting a message across. Mm. And the message is, we want this or we want that. Like, they used to do two-week lock-ins. You, I mean, you've yeah, seen that. Like, but I try to explain to people about lock-ins and say, you know, uh, you'll be at Long Bay. Your mother will be coming from Katoomba oh, yeah. for a visit, you know, catching a train down from a... And when she gets there, they'll go, oh, oh no, there's no visit today. There's a lock-in. Yeah, you know? disgusting. And that could have been sorted by a phone call and said, hey, listen, you know, just shit like that. Or a group text message because there are systems in place where you get a massive text out and go, listen, the long bay is locked in. Mm. And that used to make me the saddest. You get the, said this before, the mums would come to see their son. They get their $10 together for the the Coke machine and the chips and they just can't see him. And I used to see them walking out of the jail crying. Mm. Yeah, or the wives. And you said that in a post. I like what you said about the hardest people you met in jail were the, the family yeah, visiting. Yeah, 100%, man. Like, when you see a wife come in there after a week of trying to get by and she walks out of there and she's kept a straight face so you don't see it, but as soon as she leaves the front gate, she's just bawling her eyes out, mm. holding her little kid. That that gets me. Yeah, yeah. That was like, that, that'll always get me. I always have a soft spot for that shit. And they've, it's funny thing that they, you know, same thing, they'll go, you're a Care Bear. It's like, at the end of the day, you're a weak cunt. That's mm. the bottom line. Like, mm. I'm I a Care Bear, you're a weak cunt. Yeah, it's a, it's a simple process. We can play this game all day. And it's uh, people need to understand that that's the saddest part about jail. Is you guys, I know the boys do it tough, but your family does it tougher. I think so. My mum my mum just visited me in every jail, even caught one. She caught a train from Sydney to Alice Springs to visit me for a one-hour visit. And they tried cutting it short. I said, uh-uh. I said, no way. I said, Sydney to Alice Springs. Yeah, How Sydney. many days is that? Three days <sighs> for a one-hour visit. They wouldn't even give me an extra visit. Crazy. That's how staunch. And that's, you know, for me, that you know that was a big pivotal point, point when I was seeing what I was doing to my mother. Slow learner, fast forgetter. But, um, but just that, man, it's crazy. It's crazy. Mate, the reason why I got you on here because I love your honesty, Thank you. and I love your brutality. Your br- you fucking you call a fucking spade a fucking shovel, Thank and I'll whack you over the head with it if you're a sex offender. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> Thank you. Now I try to be because then they too many people beat around the bush. And but what do you say to these? I don't like to give them a rap because they're not with <laughs> fucking view uh, followers. That the last governor, some of the shit that goes on there, like the who the last governor. You seen the last governor on Facebook? The prison officers pay? No, I haven't seen oh, it. You'd, you'd be on there all the time. I'm on there all the time. Anything I say about derogatory about the prison officers? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't follow any of that. What, what's it about? It's about prison officers. It's their page <laughs> and how they, you know, if someone dies, they're celebrating. If there's a suicide, they, they are cele- you serious? You're. Our pages on Facebook would be banned from it, but they've got something going on over there where they get everything through, you know what I mean? They can say racist comments. It's full of right, ra- And they're all there on fake profiles. Oh, you, I never knew about this. What's this called? The Last, last Governor. How do you join? Who's fucking- <laughs> Anyone can join and watch it. But as soon as you got- say a derogatory comment, they'll block you from saying anything. And they talk about, I have no idea, what do they talk about? 
Like they're talking about Dale and Ronan, you know, an officer got bashed or, you know, there was a riot and you know what I mean? Yeah. And they're all talking derogatory. They all talk about, you know, nothing but a good bo- – the Borstal system is a Borstal system like an English system where they used to bash them. Oh, so it's officers. It's run by officers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, that's disgusting. I have no idea what that page is. I was actually going to talk to you about since we're running out of time, maybe yeah. another day. No, no. There's an issue that was brought to me by an officer and I want to ask, actually ask – your opinion. I think it's bullshit. This officer who's recently, he's being investigated. He shot an inmate dead at a... Lismore. Yeah. He was handcuffed and ankle cuffed. Mm. And he shot him dead on a hospital visit. And mm. I was going to say what your take is. It's murder. It's murder. I said, you can get Usain Bolt in ankle cuffs. I'll catch him. You'll catch mm. him. Yeah, yeah. So, you but can't uh, run in ankle cuffs. You can't. Yeah. People don't understand how, how difficult that is to do. And you can't. I'll tell you what. It's hard to run. Like, I know people can run with handcuffs on. Yeah. But it's hard. It is very hard. Because your balance comes from it. It is very hard. But no, I was not aware of this page. But look, anything that glorifies any of that shit, it should, it's funny. You and I get taken down for half the posts we say, and it's not even glorifying anything. We're just talking about facts. And that's the thing. More of this stuff needs to come to light. More people need to speak the up. The Dungay case is a classic example of that. Which one's the that? Mate, the one where they knocked him at the bay. Dungay, David Dungay. Yeah. Well, they all smothered him. Went over. He was trying to eat a biscuit. No, I didn't know that. No, massive. There's big traction on there. And to the Dungay family, may you, your son rest in peace, but um, and hopefully you, you'll get justice. What happened was he was eating a biscuit. He was in uh, an observation cell, and they've told him to stop eating his biscuit, and then they've just smothered him. The coroner ruled that it was, you know, he had a heart attack or something like that. But video, video footage shows four officers piling on him. And him, him saying, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. Was this like recent? In the last few years, yeah. So that's disgusting. So this is what I'm saying, guys. <laughs> the training that they're given at these academies are bullshit. The first thing you learn, as a, even as a security guard, it's called positional asphyxia. If if you lay down on the floor and your arms are out like this, out like, and sun's on your back, you can't breathe. A little, a toddler can sit on your back and it's going to be hard to breathe. It, it is murder. That's all you can look at it as. I mean, if four guys are holding you down, it, it doesn't take that long to get someone back off the floor. No. Like even on a one-on-one, like if if I put you down and you've stopped, it's very, you, you know what you're doing. Mm. You have to know. The only way you don't know is if you're scared mm. and you've never done it before. It's a one-way course, guys. They're not trained to be anything specific. You know, it's a one-way course. They literally shoot their gun once a year. It's not a militia that you guys think it is. It's not this. It's really, it's untrained. And hopefully that family gets justice. I hope so. I really do. Justice for David Dungay. All right, we're going to wind it up, mate. Thank you, champion, for having us here, no, mate. Thank and, you. Um, and I'm sure you and I will be doing a lot more together. I'm sure 100%. there'll be a few uh, disgruntled prison officers that have a lot to say about you and I telling the truth, me being the disgruntled crim, you being the disgruntled officer. What do you got to say about that? Oh, look, I, I was saying it on the live the other night. I haven't even got started on you guys yet. You guys need to understand that you guys sat there and you guys okayed a lot of behavior. There's a lot of officers that still to this day do illegal shit. You guys sat there while you knew officers were selling one-out cells for 500 bucks, selling mobile phones for 500 bucks, making 12, 13 grand a week for 500 bucks, and you guys did nothing, and everyone acts surprised, and there's this corruption that goes on, and then someone like me came along and tried to do the right thing, and then everyone turns. At the end of the day, everyone's day's coming, and at the end of the day, if you've done something wrong, it needs to be exposed, and you will be exposed, and there's no amount of threats like I said, no amount of threats you can say it doesn't affect. There's no effect on me because I know that 99.9% of you will not do anything about it. And at the end of the day, it should be exposed. You shouldn't be able to get away with these crimes. You shouldn't be able to sit there and get away with what you did. It shouldn't be a thing. You know what I mean? And sadly, it still goes on to this day.
Still to this day, I hear stories from boys who are currently inside today that'll message me off a fucking burner. That'll say, this officer gets this, this officer gets that, bringing in beep strips, bringing in, and this, and it's corruption. Well, So you can't, how can you have somebody who's meant to be there to rehabilitate you, but they're corrupted? So what is your learned behavior? Mm. Uh, he's in power, he's corrupt, fuck it, I'm doing the right thing. True. And the violence, and the violence. I'm going to teach you how not to be violent by perpetrating violence. On nah, you. I never understood that. And I hear some of the stories. There's some boys you have on the podcast. I won't say the names, but they'll ring me and they'll tell me that officers used to handcuff them to the bed. Yeah. I never understood that. Like That's weak. It's weak. I mean, like those that knew me, if I had a problem, we'd go in, I'd put the sponge on the door and kick the door in. And that's it. Mm. We can have a talk. True? Yeah, yeah. No handcuffs. I put the duress on your bed, put the keys on your bed, and that's it. We can have a conversation. And that's how you should handle it. If, if you're an officer, you got a problem, Go talk to the person. Go in there. Don't do this shit. Because at the end of the day, I saw it. this is the biggest warning I'll say. It's not really a warning. Life is short, guys. One day you might be walking on the street with your baby or your missus. You're in a cafe and you don't know who's, who's up behind you. It could be that person you handcuff to the bed. It could be someone that you jump with five guys and now he's got ten guys and he's had a bad day. He just had a bad news that his family member died or something. And you guys don't understand that someone like me, I hold a grudge forever. I promise you. If, if someone crosses me, I'll never forget it. Mm. Same with you. Like, mm. if you shit goad me, it's, it can be 10 years. I'll remember it. And that's the same with these guys. They have 24 hours a day to think about you. So treat them with respect. Of course, if someone's a gronk, you deal with it. But if they're respectful to you, be respectful back. Because at the end of the day, life goes on after eight hours a day. The uniform comes off when you get in the car. When you're at a cafe with your kid and your missus, you want my son to come pat you on the back. How you going, bro? Mm. Nice day. I mean, yeah, that's yeah. why people go, oh, don't you care? Nah, I can go into like, yeah, I noticed up. that. Anyway, I noticed that, right? You just get around freely, you just be yourself. And I noticed the respect that you got on, and that's just how it is. I mean, that's how it should be. I mean, at the end of the day, like, like I said, I've never done anything in my life. I've got to be afraid to do what I, my movements. I can, like I said, go into any area, anywhere, sit down anywhere by myself and just be okay. And I've run into lots of people, lots of inmates. How you going, bro? It's, how you been? Long time no see. And that's all I would get. Long time no see. How you doing? Yeah. Didn't see what happened. I got sacked last week. Because no one knew about it. Just mm. bang, bang, one day to the next. On that that's note, it. mate. But thanks, thanks for coming. And thanks, mate. Thanks for your honesty. It's a real. It's really good to have that. And it's good that we can basically educate the public and why that system ain't working. Thank you so much. No worries. It's Thank good you. to have someone like you uh, spreading the truth, man. That's the bottom line. And I wish more people did that. I'm trying to make a difference, mate. You're doing it. Bro. Thank you. When I was at Long Bay the last time in 2012, Bella Gal was a prison officer there. 
Bella is no longer in the job, but is now a staunch advocate for changing a broken prison system. Bella Gull, welcome to the Stick Up.